Hello, everyone. We are here in this cramped back office again, Chris. We're sitting super squished close to each other. Yes. You like being this close to me? I love often? being this close to you. And actually, let me add, a, I'm already going to take us off uh, off course. But I'm going to inter- interject, dear listeners. If you hear uh, some banging and whatnot in the background, that is our handyman. And we will try to edit it out as best as possible. But when you hear those sounds, just know that there's Debbie's new flooring is getting laid. And so she's going to be yes. happy. Yeah, I'm so grateful that he's here, that he's getting the work done, even though we've had a decent snowstorm. He couldn't come yesterday, so I'm thinking just go with it. We're going to record if you guys get to hear some bangs. Sorry, I guess, but I'm grateful for them. So, yes. Okay, Chris, let's jump in, I suppose. Uh, Today, we are exploring maybe a lesser talked about, possibly slightly taboo subject with my good friend, Carrie Doan. Carrie is a clarity coach living in Cincinnati. She's a mother, a friend, and a woman whose superpowers of empathy and compassion allow her to support others in discovering their own unique inner truths and step toward them in an empowered life. And today we are talking with her because she's done all of the aforementioned for me as a friend and fellow masterminder. And when Chris and I heard, Carrie, that you were opening up about divorce on another recent podcast, we thought this could be a really valuable conversation to many listening that are working on empowering themselves to rewrite their own stories, which is the overall theme and message of this season of the podcast. So thank you so much for being here. We're so grateful to have you. Please feel free to jump in and correct or add anything I missed to that brief intro. Welcome, Carrie. I think you covered it really well, and I'm so, so excited to be here. It's such a pleasure to have this conversation with you both. Mm, thank you. Yeah, I, I'm very grateful. Um, I, you know, a lot of the, the ideas around Go Bucket Yourself, the, the kind of unwritten message is we're helping people to stave off or avoid or come out the other side of kind of a, like a midlife uh, crisis is not the right word, but some of the shit that, that gets in our way in these middle parts of life that uh, a lot of us don't really talk about in our day to day. So I'm s- super excited. Doesn't maybe is not probably the right words to use, but I'm. I think, uh, like Debbie said, this will be a valuable conversation, and I'm I'm uh, I'm glad you came ab- aboard. But before we get into some of those, you know, light and easy topics like <laughs> divorce and midlife crisis and and the shit that, that makes marriage tricky and hard uh, and everything like that, I thought I'd, I'd ask you a really tough question. Are you going to be on my uh, Ragnar team in May when, when we go running? Are you going to do that? I need to put you right here on the spot. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You've tempted me so much with it. It's going to be hard to say no. So I'd, I'd say I'm like 98 and a half percent. Wow. That's much stronger than I thought. Like, <laughs> I thought if I could get you to 50-50, uh, that would feel like a win. So, yeah, cool. If anyone doesn't know what Ragnar is, uh, that's uh, a, a few of us are going to go to the hills of... Um, of Zion, uh, around Zion National Park in southern Utah and, and do some running uh, throughout the night. So that'll be fun if you make it. And if you don't make it, there will be more in the future and, mm-hmm. and all that. But um, And then another question, your favorite form of knocking down bowling pins, is it with a football or <laughs> is, it with, is it with a bowling ball? <laughs> oh, what a tough choice. Yes. I'm going to have to go with 
You know, as much as I like the football approach, I'm much more skilled with a bowling ball, which actually isn't that great either. But <laughs> makes me feel a little bit better about myself. So we're going to go with the traditional bowling ball in this one. <laughs> yeah. And so for a little context, when we met, uh, we, I mean, Deb and Carrie have met a few times, but I met Carrie for the first time in person in Cincinnati at Economy. And one of the events of Economy was we went out fouling or foaling. I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's basically you play uh, bowling with a football. And uh, I do prefer the traditional approach myself, but it was fun. A uh, few beers and uh, and it was kind of fun tossing the football around, trying to knock down pins. But Chris, do you say bowling or bowling? A bowling. Oh, you do? Okay. <laughs> then it's probably fouling. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I also prefer a traditional ball, but it was fun. It was a great night. Um, and then you hosted us for dinner afterward, which was good because I had had mm. several drinks that included alcohol on an empty stomach. So that was great. So what a good night we had um, doing some fouling for sure. Chris, Lo- I think you have... Uh, really good memories around bowling because your grandparents owned a bowling alley for years growing up. So Indeed, indeed. Yeah. You're probably better than the average bowler. Maybe. I don't know. You've mm-hmm. had a lot of practice. So now I get to awkwardly transition into this deeper topic of divorce. So Carrie, I'm wondering if you might just be able to open this conversation with us with a little bit of background of yourself and how you relate to this topic of divorce, um, why this has come up in your life now, why you're the person we're here talking to about this on the podcast. Yeah, definitely. Um, just to give a little bit of context, I got married in my early to mid twenties and, um, had a, what I would call a pretty successful, enjoyable relationship with my partner And that spanned over the course of 14 to 15 years. And um, within the past year and a half, we made the decision to part ways, which is, you know, fascinating to me because, I mean, nobody goes into their marriage thinking they'll ever get divorced, right? And um, really, I'd never considered that even as an option until very, very recently. So it kind of came out of nowhere in a lot of ways um, and was shocking. But but that's where we came to. And sometimes, you know, you get to these junctures in your life where you're forced to ask whether it's better to stay together and work on the journey together or part ways. And that was that was the decision we came to, which has been very difficult, but um, we've learned so much along the way I have. And, um, and that's kind of where I'm at today. You know, it's been a year and a half separation and very soon in the next probably couple of weeks, the paperwork will be finalized and we'll be more fully living into that next season mm. um, of our own individual journey. So, ah, well, thank you for sharing that with us and, yeah, definitely want to like appreciate and hold space for you. And though you've been going through this transition for a year and a half, that seems like a pivotal point in the transition where you're at now, very close to that. So yeah, just um, wishing you some peace in that transition. But you did uh, bring up a couple of thoughts and ideas there, as you were saying, like you had never even considered this as an option for yourself 
or your marriage, and then eventually came to this point where you must have been wrestling with those questions of like, how do I know if I stay or how do I know if I should go? So I don't, you know, as much as you're comfortable, could you share maybe between those pieces, how you, how you go from thinking this isn't even an option to maybe this is the best option for life moving forward with our family? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question too. I, I think this, it's so subjective, right? And I think will be different for everyone. Right. And um, so for me, you know, personally, I worked on my marriage for 10 years in couples therapy. So you can look at it as like I stayed for a long time mm. And for the most part, it worked. Um, but I think eventually there became this gap between us and our worldviews and the direction that we each wanted to go in. And at a certain point, I just started to really notice that gap and um, kind of sat with that question of what, what do we do about this? You know, so I guess I would say, you know, for other people in this position, how big does that gap feel to you? How open are both parties to reducing that gap and communicating about it? Um, but for me, it, it kind of was this feeling of discontent, but then also the awareness like, oh, I think we're headed in two different directions with what we both want and need. Again, I know that's a little bit ambiguous, but um it takes time to really weigh out the pros and the cons of staying and leaving and analyzing that gap if it's there and um, asking what's best for both people in this particular scenario. Yeah. So does that answer your question? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think the, the part that would be tricky is there's going to be, like you said, every relationship is going to be different. Like some people are going to be, both partners are going to be amicable to a conversation of, acknowledging there is a gap or an awareness that there is a gap and not just kind of moving forward because that's the easiest path. For some frame of reference too, to our listeners, like Deb and I have both uh, our children of divorces. And so we've seen our parents split and we probably came into our marriage with the, the understanding and expectation that divorce is hard, divorce, divorce is rough, Hopefully we picked right, but no matter what, we're probably going to stick this damn thing out too until the end, you know, unless, uh, unless Chris does some stupid ass thing and, and, uh, you know, it's very easy to say, okay, it's time to walk away. And so Deb and I, I, we had this conversation, oh, years ago and probably not just one specific conversation, but we were going through some tricky times and, uh, somehow I got it in my head like maybe Debbie is is moving away from me or maybe I'm not doing my best to keep her around. And I didn't handle that well. I went to a place of fear and eventually we had a conversation that was like, well, is this a possibility in our future? And Deb came back with a very whole answer, but it wasn't the answer I wanted. And she was like, as long as we're still moving together in the same direction, and supporting and making each other's lives better by being together in this marriage, I think, yeah, or th- then the marriage is worth it. Otherwise, I don't think it's worth it. And so then it was like, like that just was a kick in the nuts because I was like, oh, so you're saying there's a chance that you, you know, you don't want to be a part of this marriage. 
And even though we weren't at that place yet, uh, yeah, that just sent me into a tailspin. But thankfully, uh, we were able to kind of, uh, I guess I got to a place where I could better understand and come to her with a little bit more empathy. And was like, okay, tell me more, like what would be those things? And so um, where I'm going with this, <laughs> I actually have no freaking clue. But um, I just wanted to, I guess, put that out there too, that this, um, it's got to be so hard. Uh, did you guys, did you feel, Carrie, did you feel like you and your partner were able to, to have those, those tougher conversations as far as like, we're acknowledging this gap or we're aware of this gap? I mean, I'm guessing so if you were in, in counseling or, or, or therapy, is that, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, we did acknowledge it. And I think at a certain point, like there were just some irreconcilable differences that we agreed upon. And at that point it was kind of like, it makes more sense to carry on in our own directions. So yeah, there was kind of like, I would say maybe a year or so before we really made that decision, there was conversation around what we both wanted and needed. And, and then finally just came to that conclusion of like, I think it's time for us to pursue our own things. Mm -hmm. So, but it is difficult, right? When you get to these points, when you start asking that question, like, wow, we're really here. Mm. Like I never thought I'd be here. And what does that mean? And so it's taken a lot of work and reframing and looking at, you know, what I would call the success of my marriage and not looking at it as a failed thing, but, um, and seeing all of the good that's come out of it and not just this like painful grief uh, stricken loss, which it is also. So life just kind of shows up and with all of its twists and turns and presents things. And then you're forced to really reckon and decide what's best for each of us. So Mm. I think Chris's story just illustrates how relatable your story is. If it's so relatable to us, I imagine it's relatable to so many in a partnership with someone else. So I don't want to focus on the bad, but I am curious. Um, right now we're preparing for another podcast episode where we're, we're going to talk about the good, the book, The Way to Integrity by Martha Beck. And I know you're familiar with that. Um but certain things now are just reminding me of her like dark wood of error symptoms. And so like when we're maybe in the wrong place, in the wrong path, or we're feeling growth and we're not feeling the same movement from our partner or someone we're in relationship with, it could be any kind of partnership or relationship really. There may be symptoms that present themselves, right? So maybe they're in our emotional state. Maybe they're in our physical state. Maybe they were with your, the you know, the rest of your family included in this relationship, your children or other people that were helping either, you know, enforce that you shouldn't leave this marriage or encouraging you that maybe your growth was outside the marriage. So I wonder if you might be able to, share with us some symptoms that might have been showing up with you personally or in your larger life that were pointing to the direction that you ended up taking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I shared recently in another podcast that it was this kind of, I guess, growing discontent 
that I was starting to feel within myself. And I guess now I would describe that as this kind of inauthenticity that I was reckoning with. And it was like, I knew I needed to start prioritizing myself in a certain way that I hadn't before. And it came to this point where I started expressing that to my partner and that was new and different and difficult. So there were points where it it was challenging for me to do that um, openly and honestly. And I think You know, one thing that I tell other people when they're asking themselves the question of, is it time to go, is do you feel 100% safe to be who you are? And can you fully express yourself, your desires, your needs? And there were points where I, honestly, I, I didn't feel that. And that was a symptom to me or a sign that's, Mm -hmm how can I, how can I grow if I can't fully be myself in this relationship? And so also in conjunction with that is this um, question to ask, like, do I feel fully able to grow or am I being held back um, from moving forward in the direction of my own growth? And if that answer is a no, then again, like that, that's something to really pay attention to. So that was another thing that I noticed. Um, Also, I had this suspicion that there were these codependent dynamics at play that, you know, when that's already in place can be very difficult to break uh, because it's a pattern that's been established for years and years. So I had this sense like, all these things were kind of below the surface and I started to examine them more. And once I came to the point of acknowledging those things, I, um, I don't know, I started to express that. And that's what led to these deeper conversations that ultimately brought us to the separation. Okay. Thank you. I love those two questions that you just asked yourself because, uh, now that Debbie's planted the seed of the way to integrity, uh, those I can easily see those those two answers. And in that book, she she talks about like her decision to to come forth with uh, this sexual abuse that her father uh, did to her. Uh, I don't know if that sounds right or whatever, but anyways, this sexual abuse. And in that place, she she really makes the point of like who is the real me? What is the ultimate truth? What lies have I been telling myself over and over and over again? And when I read that, uh, it was easy to apply that to so many places, like in, in our marriage is one, but in, in friendships and other connections um, that the, that's also been present. And so I think those are two very huge and important questions that you should ask at any stage in life about any, any relationship or any lifestyle that you're in. If you aren't free to be yourself, and if you aren't free to grow, safe also was a really important safe, word yeah. that she said. If those if those conditions are not there, you may be able to exist, but you're not going to be able to give your best to your children, to the world, to yourself. And those are very important things to to be able to do. And just like a little context personally for me, some of the dark wood of error symptoms that appear in my own personal experience when I'm ignoring um, maybe the path that I, I should be on or 
or that I'm like led to, or my inner truth is guiding me to is like apathy that turns into depression or depression that turns into apathy, vice versa. Some like physical pain in my body, literally pain will show up. And eventually for me, like very serious physical illness. So those things can be related for other people. It might just be like, um, another friend that I have panic attacks or, maybe Chris for you, maybe anger speaks a little more true to what shows up with you. Um, I don't want to call you out. I'm not trying to do that, but just just did (laughs) some other relatable examples that you might start to question or see as patterns in your life and wonder why those uncomfortable patterns appear. And then you could possibly ask these questions that Carrie eloquently pointed out. I love those. Do you feel 100% safe to be yourself in this situation, in this relationship, in this role that I'm choosing? Or am I free to grow as an individual in this relationship or role or situation? So thank you for that. Um, To get to you, Carrie, and more questions, we are wondering, like, as you began to make this choice and decide that it was time to go were there any surprises or challenges or lessons expected or unexpected that presented themselves that you carry forward with you now that you went through along the way yeah absolutely um well first of all i mean there was so much to grieve and let go of And um, I used to want to control a lot and I have learned so many incredible lessons on letting go of control and learning to trust. And when you disrupt these patterns, it can feel incredibly chaotic and destabilizing and create kind of all kinds of insecurities because you're literally leaving life as you knew it and recreating this entirely new one. So it can feel, you know, shocking to the nervous system. And uh, I had to let go of a partner, of friendships, of family members who didn't understand. And this was all while I'm trying to support my kids through their own confusion and pain. So it was the most challenging thing that I've ever done. And somebody who has kind of fed off of approval from other people it at times felt like a death sentence, but I also knew it was inauthentic to just keep the peace and not change anything. So in terms of surprises, you know, once I let go of some of these relationships, it created all this room for new ones to blossom. And I started connecting with coaches uh, from all over the globe who emotionally supported me and encouraged me through. And, you know, I remember there were many days where I would feel completely lost and I would reach out and hop on a Zoom call and find some piece of reassurance that I I would make it through. Um, I had another friend of mine who welcomed me into her home And I stayed in her guest bedroom for nine months Mm -hmm. while I tried to secure a permanent place for myself. And I remember her hospitality was just so touching and her home felt like a refuge to me in a time where I was literally in some kind of exile. 
And um, another surprise, you know, I had two close friends locally who welcomed me into their home when I was lonely or, and they also financially supported me until I had the bandwidth to learn to support myself in this way. And they really carried me through some dark and scary moments. So I just remembered feeling so surprised and grateful to have all these people just magically show up in a time when I was so vulnerable. And um, it all just felt very serendipitous, you know, like I was being given everything I needed at exactly the right moments in time. And something about that experience just really restored a sense of faith in humanity, in Mm. the universe. And it told me like, everything's going to be okay. You know, I'm loved and cared for. And there was, I think it was because I was so vulnerable, like everything created, it was like a surprise every time I wasn't expecting it, Mm. you know? So did you feel before that, that those connections were definitely going to to be there. The reason I'm asking is because I know of a couple situations firsthand that um, when they left a partnership, they also left um, like in one situation, like uh, this, this person didn't have a, a great connection with their own parents, but the in-laws of, of the partner that they're getting ready to leave were basically their, their quote unquote parents. Like those were the people that, that gave them support and guidance and filled a void of their own parents. So not besides not only having to say goodbye and grieve the loss of the partner, the, the spouse, the romantic partner and all that, they had to say goodbye to some friendships and some other connections that I can only imagine would make that decision all the much more excruciating to, to know that at least for a time being, there's going to be this 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 disconnection and the safety net of having those social structures might not be there. Um, so where I'm going with this, I guess, is, yeah, did did you know that you would have those those friends? It sounds like some of it was serendipitous that some of them showed up when you needed them most. Uh, so maybe they you, you you could get on that right out of the gate. But maybe there was this feeling of like, shit, like <laughs> who's going to be there to lean on when I need someone to lean on? Because I will definitely need someone to fucking lean on during this time. Right. Yeah. You know, as you're talking, I'm remembering there was one specific friend where I said ahead of time, I said, if I make this move, will you show up to me Mm, for the next six months? Because I knew I wasn't going to have anybody. And, and I also knew if I had one person like to really lean on, then I would, I would probably be okay. Or I, I suspected I might, you know, but otherwise, no, I, I had no idea. And, um, so it was very scary. It was so terrifying, actually. I mean, I remember many days where I was just lost, but I knew I had this lifeline if I needed it. And I reached out constantly and, and I was showed up to, so but otherwise, no, it was, it was just kind of this abyss that I was traveling through and little by little over time, new people showed up and I made new friends, people who valued and appreciated me and wouldn't judge. And now I look at my life and it's just like unbelievable. The amount of deep friendships I have and support and all my needs feel met in a very big way. So Mm. 
It took some time to get there, though. Right. I'm glad you said that. That was kind of the transition I was thinking of. Like, it sounds like from your story, you went through a lot of loss in choosing to leave the marriage. And I'm sure with each loss, there was a lot of grief. You mentioned a lot of dark times and questions and uncertainty and trial. And so if you were to put words to where you're at now compared to where you were then, this has been so far, I mean, sure, a year and a half journey, but you talked about being in therapy together for 10 years before that. So this has been a very long you know, road you've been going down, how would you describe your life now? Is there still that sense of grief and darkness and trial and uncertainty? Or are you in a different place now um, at this point? I would say that I definitely, I wouldn't say that I've arrived, right? Because grief has its own pattern of playing itself out uniquely with each person. But at this point, I feel much more of a sense of security in who I am in making that decision and feeling like it was the right decision. But it's taken a year, year and a half to get to that place. And I had so many moments of doubting and asking myself, like, is this really worth it? Mm -hmm. Because it's like I said, so disruptive to the life that you knew it's completely gone. And so you, I've, I had to travel through this kind of dark wood, like you said, to come to the other side uh, where, yeah, now I feel very connected to myself. I feel like I can much more fully express who I am. I know what my needs are. I can go out and, find people to help meet them. Um, so the amount of growth and transformation that I've gone through feels remarkable to me. And that has its own reward, right? Like reward for myself. And now also I feel compelled and excited to support other people in that position and reassure them that if you continue on, you will find the gold on the other side. So again, like this doesn't mean I have no challenges or grief doesn't show up in unexpected times, but for the most part, um, I'm in a much more grounded place of feeling happy, really, really happy with my life. Mm, very good. Well, I wondered um, what you might say then at this point in where you're at with marriage and and leaving your marriage, what you might say to someone that describes it as a failed marriage or talks about divorce in, in that context? Well, since I'm a life coach, I'm all about reframing everything. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think the the typical response to divorce is, one of failure or a story about failure. And perhaps that's because there's so much grief and loss that I, frankly, I think a lot of people don't know how to process. And so therefore you kind of see it in this more negative light. But <clears throat> while there is quite a bit of pain to go through, um, also I look back personally and think about what it did for me, where it brought me to where I am today, 
the person that it made me, the lessons that I learned. And I think anytime you can look on your life or a part of your story with that lens, you always come out with something that's going to add to your life and support you towards the next chapter. So for me, it's just unhelpful to look at it as a failed thing. And even that word failure, you know, like whatever failure is, it's learning, learning from something that didn't go as we expected it to. And so if you look at it that way, I mean, again, it's like, yeah, maybe things didn't go a certain way, but it's also, there's so much in there for you to, to gain a lesson from and carry with you into the next chapter. So personally for me, I think I look at it as nothing but a wild success. And I actually, I heard of this friend who she was married three times and divorced three times. And every single one, she said, I had three successful marriages. And I thought that was beautiful to have that angle. Yeah. Yeah. I love the, whether you call it a reframe or just acknowledging both, there was a, a component of this that maybe didn't go as we expected at 22, 24, whenever we first got married. And then the, also acknowledging that a lot of things did go as expected. You've got some beautiful boys from this marriage. I can, I can, I bet, you know, you, you've got a lot of successes that, that came from this marriage, whether it was learning how to live with someone else, learning how to have that level of an intimate relationship, what was what was beneficial for you, what was not beneficial for you, you know, as the, um, we now, Debbie and I have now recognized some codependencies that have, that have formed in, in our relationship. And by acknowledging those and surfacing those, that has been so helpful to, to be able to move forward in other areas of life too. So yeah, I love, I love the, um, the idea of just because something didn't go to plan or because result X was expected and we got result Y instead, that, that, that doesn't mean it's a failure. That wasn't worth um, going through that, you know, that, uh, I don't know, that gosh, <laughs> relationship. I, yeah, there you go. Jeez, yeah. I cannot even think right. <laughs> anyway, so. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I imagine there have been many gifts through this difficult situation, like learnings about yourself that you didn't know until you went through this, um, learning about your own sense of intuition and trust and what you can do to give yourself a stronger sense of intuition and trust, even in difficult times. Yeah. So if you want to speak to any of those things, any, any things that really helped pull you through the difficult pieces of it, uh, we would love to hear those too. If you have any little tidbits for anyone going through something difficult where they may be questioning as you did, like, is this worth it? As you said, am I doing the right thing? Right. So I guess I would say, I remember reading this book through this process. It was called, um, too good to leave, too bad to stay. Mm -hmm. And it has a kind of diagnostic approach to analyzing, you know, whether it's better to move on or to stay and work at it versus just making this pros and cons list. And I remember that was helpful to me in terms of like wrestling with that question. But also let's say you've made that decision and you're kind of headed in the trajectory of being on your own. What do you do? What do you do in that situation? And the number one thing that I 
encourage people to do is to find support. One safe person that you can air everything out to, that you feel totally um, trusted with to process the grief, to remind you of why you're doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Because when you're changing directions in such a dramatic way, you will be met with doubts. You'll be met with fears, like all of the unknowns that you're about to live into is so terrifying. And I think if you don't have some kind of support, it's going to make it so, so difficult. So, so really reaching out if that's something that you need. Also, just a lot of self-examination, taking care of yourself. What does that look like? Um, you know, paying attention, like you said, to that intuitive voice constantly, because the more that I did that, the more I felt assured that I had what it took to make the decisions that were right for me. And if I kept paying attention to that and living into that, then I would be okay. And I would make it through to the other side. So yeah, I would encourage that, like paying attention to you, caring for you, reaching out for support, finding resources that are going to um, help you analyze your journey and what's best for you in these decisions. Mm. When you were listening to that, that internal voice, is that through the help of like, um, you know, a therapist or a coach, or is that like some journaling or do you have like a a routine that helps you to, to let that voice um, get a little louder and maybe the, the inner critic or the the not so happy or nice voice that uh, a lot of us have Uh, to dominate the conversation? Yeah, I think um, all of the things that you mentioned, journaling is, I remember journaling voraciously in that time period to the point where I created this sort of ebook memoir about my transition. But Mm. looking back at the stuff that I wrote, I thought, who is this person? But over time, I recognized it's like, this is truly me, that intuitive person, like on paper. And so that was really helpful to me as a practice, but also meditating is the number one thing that allows me to kind of connect to that part of myself that feels pure and true and intuitive. And it's taken a a long time of doing that practice to feel, um, you know, the confidence like that, that is when I experience that voice, but every morning I do this and I immediately feel that sense of I'm at home with myself Mm. in that practice. So I would encourage, you know, or solitude, whatever it takes to kind of like silence the external voices of the world and everyone else and pay attention to that kind of whisper that is always there for everyone, but sometimes gets overruled by the noise in the externals. And I would add to that too, sometimes having those trusted friends to reflect back to you Mm, the things that they see, because sometimes we get in this tunnel vision and we can't quite see clearly or hear ourselves clearly. And we have a person that acts as a mirror and can say like, this is what I see in you. This is what I'm noticing. It can help to illuminate and strengthen that voice, I think. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Your story really reminds me of a personal choice I make 
at this point in my life, which is that if something is for the good of me, it's also for the good of those I'm in relationship with. So it may not look the way that society tells us it looks like, right? It may mean that someone I'm in a partnership with is needing to go a different direction or they're not ready for their own growth. And maybe the impetus of their growth is me saying, I have to go the other way in my growth. Maybe that's what pushes them. Maybe it isn't. And maybe you're just meant to grow in two different directions. But when I love and care for myself, it's like that only allows that love and care to grow and pour on to those around me. So Yeah, that helps me with some difficult decisions like, ooh, this may not feel good for this person right now, but if it's for the good of me, eventually it's for the good of those I'm in relationship as well. Um, But yeah, that is a choice that I have to choose to make, you know, on a regular basis versus just going with the flow or, or making things easy and smooth as it sounds like you had a habit of doing and had to let go of and step away from in stepping toward what you felt like was really meant for you. So thank you for illustrating that for us so well. And I know your story doesn't end with, you know, a divorce decree or some kind of paper. It's still going. So I wonder if you could talk to us about your growth now as you are in a relationship with yourself. Uh, what helps you continue growing and moving forward? What are ma- some ways that you're able to, like maybe, these are two words I know you're good at helping people with and pulling out of people, but some pleasures and desires what uh, that you feel coming now that are helping move you forward in life um, where you're at at this point. Well, those two words, uh, pleasure and desire, are something I'm really passionate about. And um, part of that's because I've come from an upbringing where those things were de-emphasized or, you know, you're encouraged to repress those parts of yourself. And now kind of having prioritized those things in the ways, like you just said, it's helped me to totally change the way that I feel in my body. Like you said, when I'm taking care of myself, prioritizing pleasure, everyone else benefits. And I think just as human beings that we're, we long for more, right? We're designed to expand and to grow. And I would include desire and pleasure in that. So to deny that is some kind of repression, And I think if you repress, then those symptoms of that are going to manifest in like depression, anxiety, all kinds of ways. So for me, that looks like, you know, waking up and asking myself, what do I want to need today? And it could be something as simple as my morning routine is a non-negotiable. I meditate, I read, I drink my coffee, and it's very protected. I set the tone for my day in a really good way. Um, it could mean setting certain boundaries with family members or people who project judgments and learning how to step away when I need to, to care for myself. So I don't, like pleasure and desire, I think, are typically viewed in this 
indulgent, self-seeking way, but I'm talking more of like these deeper desires, you know, to be loved, to feel seen and known, to be appreciated. And that may include boundaries. It may include finding people who are on the same wavelength as you and connecting with them. Um, It could be your unique contribution to the world, figuring out what that is and prioritizing that is a form of pleasure. So, you know, this isn't this narcissistic thing. It's just more permission to be fully yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think there are a million different ways you can find that in each individual's life. But for me, it's, yeah, it's constantly asking, what do I need and want? And not feeling selfish about that. Or if I do feel selfish, well, it's selfish in the best kind of way, I think. Yeah. So I, I think that's a, a, a big one too. Like as, as I think about being authentic with yourself, you have to check in and acknowledge those things about yourself that light you up, that make your eyes shine, that make you want to give your best to this world. And if you, like you said, if you repress those things, not only will they manifest in ways like chronic illness or cancer or heart disease in these physical ways, they're just going to manifest in other ways too, that just, you know, doesn't let the world really see you. Won't let Carrie show up as the kind of mom that she really is. Won't let her show up as the kind of friend. And as she moves into new relationships, won't let her show up in those ways. And so I think, you know, I'm, I'm a spiritual person. And if I say God or the universe or whatever, I think we're all put here to, to accomplish something while we're here. And the only way we can accomplish that one true thing for us is to truly know ourselves and to truly understand ourselves. If we're doing the, the things in life that don't bring us pleasure or don't, uh, we don't feel a desire or a lust, you know, these words that sometimes get this taboo-ness uh, put around them. If we don't, if we don't have that, that kind of feeling of like, ooh, what's this going to bring me in life? Uh, then yeah, we're, we're probably... We're, we're holding something back, you know, we're not giving it our, our, our all. So I, I love, I love bringing these words to light um, that, that either society, history, religion has taught us are naughty words and, uh, and they won't, uh, good people don't use them. I love uh, challenging that a little bit and, uh, and trying to explore that. So I don't know when it was, but Debbie uh, mentioned pleasure and desire. And I didn't even know the, the full context. I was like, I'm game. Like, what, <laughs> what are we going to talk about? And in, in, you know, cause I can, I can see how that will just make for a much more interesting conversation. Like I want to know someone that knows what pleasure and desire or or what lights them up or what makes them, you know, really hum and and everything. So, yeah. Yeah. I can relate really well because someone that was raised in a tradition as I was, like you mentioned, Carrie, those words, pleasure and desire can be very taboo, even almost just saying them like, Uh, I was raised to believe my purpose here is to serve others. And so saying like, what brings me pleasure? What are my desires? Felt um, counterintuitive. But when you put it the way that you put it, when we're so drained in serving other people that we are depressed or we're angry or we're even just irritable, how am I serving those around me in that way by becoming a martyr or making myself so tired that I'm sick? And so by just learning to tap into those, which I'm, you know, full disclosure, still really working on understanding and empowering myself to do. 
it again, in the same way, allows me to fill my cup so that it spills over onto those around me, um, which can become that same like loop, right, of where I'm doing this for other people. But yeah, I think from that pure place of like, what is it I truly feel called to right now? What What is pleasing? What What do I desire? In my thinking now, that is you know, the source of life speaking through me and pulling me toward what's meant for me. So uh, I appreciate that you shared some of the ways that you do that, that you tap into your pleasure and desire. Um, Do you have any little personal tidbits right now, like anything that's lighting you up or really bringing you the pleasures of your soul or you're feeling like called to really work toward or move toward? And actually, maybe we can just go around the horn. Like what's something that uh, each of us, you know, either finds it's man, it does sound hard saying these words sometimes. <laughs> What's something that brings us pleasure and desire in each of our lives? So Carrie, if you want to go first on that that front. Oh gosh, so many things. It's hard to pick. You know, I I gotta tell you, this might sound like a weird one potentially, but I am deriving so much pleasure in learning how to communicate openly and honestly specifically with my kids. I, this was one of the things that I was not very good at in my marriage. We both were worked at it, but it it was just like this puzzle. And so when I exited that, I was so committed to figuring this out. And I read this book called nonviolent communication three times in the past year. And more recently it's starting to like really flesh itself out in my life. And so to answer your question, like now I'm able to engage with my kids and in the middle of a conflict, let's say, and stop and say, what does everybody need and want right now? What do you need and want? What do you need and want? What do I need and want? Okay. Let's figure out how to get everybody's needs met and we'll kind of work through it and, um, tease it out and nine times out of 10, it works out in this really <laughs> wonderful way. Everybody's kind of happy. Whereas previously it was just like, nobody knew what to do or how to make it all work. Right. So I guess this is just one example, but yeah. learning how to communicate honestly with people about what I want, what I need, and then letting the chips fall where they may has been so like liberating and I've derived just a ton of pleasure and enjoyment from working that out in a new way. Nice. So good. I personally struggle with that. And in retrospect, in those situations, I always ask myself, like, why was that so hard? It was just like saying the thing or the truth, like what's inside, putting it on the outside. And most of the time people already know they are just like denying or ignoring it, you know? So yeah, that's really good. I hope to get to a place of pleasure with that, Carrie. That would be nice. Um, So I think I'm going to go with the word desire because I just meditated before this podcast episode with you. And there were a couple of words that came to me that I realized like, oh, those are my desires. I've been like searching for words to Mm -hmm. cling to this year. And one was ease. And so I I definitely desire ease. And so a couple of decisions I made this morning were just based on that word. Like what would be easy? 
that's what I'm going to do. Um, whereas normally I, it's like, I think I have to make something hard or hard work. So ease is one and expansive was the other word. So I think I, I desire those words at least for now. And I'll try to remind myself of those desires in my daily actions and choices. Yeah, I think um, I'm at this this place in life and have been for a, a little while here. And, and with each month, uh, I just I just feel this deeper and deeper. And I, I'm just loving, I'm getting, I'm deriving a lot of pleasure and I desire to, to go deeper in the, these realms of just spirituality and kind of uh, keeping the parts of my old version of spirituality and what, what serves me well there, as well as continuing to explore other aspects or components that uh, either previously were like, again, taboo or previously like, no, that's not, that's not what, you know, the big guy in the sky, you know, wants me to do. And so the more I, I, I have these conversations with the different people in my own life, and the more I read about other um, either religious teachings or other just ways of, of looking at the universe and looking at what humans are and what humans aren't, um, it really just fascinates me to, to some new level uh, that, uh, yeah, I've, I've not really felt with many areas in life that, uh, that bring me joy. So yeah, pleasure. I, I really love to, to learn and explore, um, those, those avenues that, that kind of feel like they're bringing me closer to big T truth of, of what, what life is all about. so I'm loving it. Well, very good. Um, yeah, I guess maybe that's a smooth enough transition to just ask you, Carrie, if there's anything we missed asking you about or anything else you want to add about these topics we've talked about today before we kind of close and wrap with some maybe simpler, easier questions at the end. You like ease. (laughs) Uh, I think the final thing that I would just mention is, and we alluded to this earlier, but this idea of what does it mean to live in integrity? Mm. I never go in through that book. And um, I think maybe asking yourself that question, whether you're in a partnership or not, wherever you're at in life, like, are you aligning to what other people think and what they expect of you, which is what I did for a long time. Um, And, kind of conforming to what, yeah, what other people are dictating for your life, or are you going to live in integrity and um, make the decisions that are right for you? And that's likely going to rock the boat for your life and your relationships. But at the end of the day, I would just say that, you know, following that, however that looks in your life is ultimately going to bring the most happiness, joy, contentment on the other side of that. So that has been one of the the greatest lessons that I've learned from this transition is, yeah, I've lost a lot. It's been very disruptive and difficult, but I've gained so much integrity. I feel like I'm living a much more honest life and the freedom that that has provided is just priceless. Mm. So again, like it might not look like a divorce to somebody else. It could be choosing a career that's, you know, expressing your unique talents um, or yeah, making a drastic life change. Who knows? But 
like paying attention to integrity as such a primary um, goal, I think is going to lead to all of the the inner peace that I think so many people are looking for. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, very good. Um, just a little background. When Martha Beck in this book speaks of integrity, she doesn't mean it in maybe the context I was raised to believe, which are these like set of values that a good person like espouses. She means integrity by its Latin root, which is meaning one. So we're whole, we're one with ourselves. We aren't split, right? Like I'm a person, I'm this person at work, but I'm this person at home. Or this is how I act around this person because this will make things easier versus this is how I act when I'm alone because I feel comfortable and free. And so being in integrity uh, in Martha Beck's words, means being one with yourself, with your truth. And so that looks different for everyone, but um, it's not splitting from ourselves and our truth and our personality based on what our parents, society, our grandparents, our husband, our wife, whomever has told us is the right way or the good way to be. So thank you for that. That's excellent advice. Appreciate it. Yeah. And so, yeah, to wrap up, we're, we're wanting to, um, to know, Carrie, is there anything like on your bucket list? I mean, this is the go buck yourself podcast (laughs) and maybe, maybe bucket list isn't your, your term of choice, but is there, is there something that kind of is, is out there on the horizon that you're, you're pretty excited uh, about that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I'll share two things. Um, one of them is the recent launch of my own podcast, which as you all know, is a really fun project, but um, it kind of carries me more on this line of like expressing yourself and telling your story and telling the truth. So that, that continuing in that direction is very exciting to me. And then on the more just kind of fun adventurous side on my bucket list, we'll see if I get to it this year is to take my older son who he's 12 to take him to hike around the base of Mount Rainier on the Wonderland Trail. Oh, yeah. That has been on my bucket list for about eight or nine years. And I feel like 2022 might be the year that it happens. So nice. we'll see. Uh, well, congratulations on the podcast. And I can't wait to watch the Rainier adventure. That will be exciting. Um, and speaking of the podcast, how might anyone listening be able to learn more about you, get in touch with you, benefit from all of your wisdom and experience? Yeah, you could find me on my website. It's um, carriedone.com. Also, I'm on Instagram at carriedone coaching. And my podcast you can find on Apple and Spotify and Google. And that is titled Clearly Connected. And it's all about ways that we're learning to reconnect to ourselves, to the natural world, and to each other. Well, very nice. Thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. We really appreciate you and being open with us. Um, I'm sure many will benefit from it. Yeah, I just want to say, you know, I, I acknowledge you, Carrie. I, I'm so glad that um, you were able to to come on here and t- uh, talk about this subject that I, I feel is critical. Um, again, I, I know a lot of folks either um, that are on the other side of divorce recently or, or are in the, in the throes of, of making those decisions. So I know this is an, an 
isn't an easy one to talk about. Uh, so there's probably a lot of people out there now that, that have benefited greatly from from your words and your openness and your humility to uh, to express that. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, have a great day. <laughs> thank you, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Like all good coaches, Carrie poses a lot of questions about the stories of our lives in our path to wholeness. Do you feel 100% safe to be who you are? Are you fully free to grow? What do you need and want right now? What does it mean for you to live in integrity? Sometimes, often, the answers to these questions are neither simple or easy. Sometimes they involve changing course in a way that shakes up the fabric of our lives. Sometimes it shakes it so hard that what we thought was a solid foundation crumbles. Carrie's story shows us that while the crumbling is difficult, that it can get dark and lonely, it's also full of gifts. It's where, when we clear away the rubble, wade and sort through it, we find a smooth, solid space to build something new, something that feels truer, something in line with our own integrity. When viewed from that perspective, there is no failure, just lessons and growth. This reminds me of a quote I hold dear. It goes, but over time, people break apart no matter how enormous the love they feel for one another is. And it is through the breaking and the reconciliation, the love and the doubting of love, the judgment and then coming together again, that we find our own identity and define our relationships. Anne Patchett, this is the story of a happy marriage. Whatever it is you're questioning in your search for a life that rings true to the callings of your soul, the roads are similar. When we begin to examine our work lives, home lives, social lives, and any roles we play, it may be that we find that the most honest answers to the questions Carrie posed is no. Maybe we even find that an answer to what it means to live in integrity involves shaking up that foundation and seeing what was solid enough to remain. Carrie is honest about the trials this presents, but the sparkle in her eyes, if you could see it, also reveals the gift of what it means to rebuild a life that's truly aligned with our own personal integrity. May you find the courage to ask yourself the questions posed today, friends. May that courage extend to answering honestly and truly hearing the answers that arise May you find enough trust in that truth rising from within to take the first steps toward it. May those steps lead to the return to wholeness that lies at the core of all our souls, even if it shakes things up in the process. More than that, may the very shaking lead to something so much truer than whatever existed before. Much love to you all, today and every day.